Sup, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am joined, as always, by my trusted co-host, the Grand Destino to my Grand Floridian, Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? Oh, this has been the best one so far. I'm honored. (laughs) I think we've both been on the same level. We're both good Disney hotels, but one is just slightly newer than the other, and it really depends about what kind of vibe you want to go with. We're both very fancy Disney hotels. I've never stayed in a fancy Disney hotel. The fanciest I ever got is that when I went to Disney one time with my family, we stayed in the sports-themed one where one of the staircases is a big cup of soda. And the most recent time I went to Disney, we stayed in my sister's mother-in-law's timeshare apartment that was like a 15-minute lift drive away. That's the kind of vibe I look for when I go to Disney, saving money as much as possible, not posting up at the Grand Destino. The worst part about both of those places that you stayed is that you had to hit a three-point shot before they let you inside. Thank God I'm really good at basketball. (laughs) Speaking of basketball, we have a podcast to get into. If you're wondering why we're talking about Disney hotels, it's because of the Orlando bubble NBA thing, which we will get into. But before we get into that, we have to prepare ourselves. And in order to do so, we've got to take a quick little detour into the Teal Memorial locker room. Teal's fine. She's great. Yeah, she hits a three-pointer every morning to go into her room. It's just her morning coffee. She wakes up and starts her day the teal way which is by draining a corner three the best part of waking up is a 30 foot jumper from teal you know who else loves to make 30 foot jumpers our new patrons our new patrons they absolutely love it so shout out to simon irvine noah and kevin flowers as well as our new producer level patron matt barger hi matt wherever you stay in disney world you have a good time And you only go into Disney World when the infection rates are going down for COVID-19. Yeah, wild that Universal Studios is just opening. It's just open. It just, it just is. My favorite thing about it is if you go to their website, they have a big banner at the top that's like, hey, if you go here, you're going to get COVID and it's not our fault. Have fun. <laughs> if you make eye contact with the big dinosaur out front, we have no liability if you get diseased. Now, you have to stay six feet apart from everyone when you are in line and stuff. But once you're on the Hulk, thank God all of the seats are six feet apart from each other. <laughs> It's a good thing they took out all of those seats in the roller coaster, obviously. Oh my gosh, the worst. Well, Matt joins our illustrious list of existing producer-level patrons. Brianne Wingate, Adam Hartwick, Cody Powell, Salvatore Tessa, Trust the Process, Samantha Rose, Polly Burge, I worked with Eric Stad, Shooby Dooby Doo, I am Adam Silver, Godzilla got busy, Wouter Vandermaiden, Madeline Heising, Soap Lamb Chops, Steph Curry for three, Siobhan Ellsbury, Kendra Hadley, He Sells Seashells, Eileen Gazesh, Catherine Lee, Og Milk, LeBron James, and Leah Loveless. Uh, we said we weren't going to call him Odd Milk, but it's Odd uh, Milk. I, I should reach out to them and say, is it okay if we keep calling you Odd Milk? <laughs> I think we're at the point where it's very okay. <laughs> we haven't received an official complaint yet, so hopefully it's fine. Thank you for the support, Odd Milk. We love you. So you know who we also love? Platonically, of course. Oh, like it, it's not like like-like, it's just kind of like. If they wrote us a note and passed it to us in study hall that said, do you like me, circle yes or no, we would circle yes and then also write, thank you for the money. <laughs> I, I, would write, uh, I would write, thank you for keeping my job alive. Can, can I add one and put a check mark at the bottom? Obviously, that's our sponsor for this episode six to start, the makers of Zombies Run. Now, 
I know that we've been talking about them the past couple of episodes, and maybe some of you are thinking, I'd rather not listen to things about zombies right now. The world is scary enough. Well, guess what? Six to Start has new missions called New Adventures, which don't feature any zombies at all. Yay, no zombies. It ranges from a sci-fi epic exploring a mysteriously abandoned Venusian colony to a fantasy set at Hadrian's Wall as you race to prevent a war between Roman legions and Picts. I have no idea what that means. That's fine. Anything to make running easier. You can tell me whatever you want. I just remembered this and I didn't Google it. The Picts were a confederation of Celtic, sorry, Celtic speaking peoples who lived in what today is Eastern and Northern Scotland during the late British Iron Age and early medieval periods. Wow, I can't believe you just pulled that out of your head and totally didn't look it up on the internet. It's just a big old brain blast, like I'm Jimmy Neutron. They also have factual new adventures, including Run the Solar System and Run to the Deep, made with the British Science Association. Science is good, baby! Hell yeah, science! So even if you aren't into zombies, or if you are afraid of them, there is something from Six to Start that you will love. Again, you are going to have to search for Zombies Run in the App Store, though, but there are not zombie things in there, we promise. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get out of the Teal Memorial Locker Room, we have a very exciting announcement in that we have new horse merch up on our merch page, and it's all digital, so you can get it immediately and not pay any shipping. Woo-hoo-hoo! The bane of your existence is shipping. <laughs> so we have six mobile wallpapers that we've put together, lots of different designs. You've got Charles Oatley in the mix. You've got the horse text. There's a lot of fun ones. And as a separate purchase, you can download the horse theme as a ringtone, whether you have an Android or an iPhone, you can make it work. So you can finally set your calls or your texts to be the horse theme by Bettina Campomanes, which slaps so hard. We highly encourage you to pick up the phone and greet whoever's calling you with sup nerd. But yes, you can now get mobile wallpapers and a mobile ringtone up at the merch page, which you can access at multitude.production slash merch. If you want a really harsh alarm sound when you're dead asleep <gasps> and then <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So with all of that being taken care of, we can now progress onto full court press. Get it like the news. <laughs> Hold on, my telegraph is coming in. It says, basketball is coming back, question mark? It is. Much like everything that happens in the NBA world, news is released one hour after we finish recording horse. Yep. (laughs) So, two weeks prior, they announced this. Of course, it was right after we finished recording, so now we can talk about it now. But basketball is coming back. They're going with the Orlando bubble plan in Disney World, and, you know, of course it's all being branded as sports bring people together, but really it's all about money. Sports bring people together underneath the Disney banner located in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Brought to you by Kia. Brought to you by Disney. Brought to you by everything Disney owns. So basketball is planning to come back in late July. July 30th is when things are supposed to kick off. And they are bringing back 22 teams. We've talked about this in an overtime, so we're not going to get into all of the details of how it's structured because it's very confusing. Let's talk about the silly things. First off, that they have decided the teams are staying in hotels and the teams that are higher seated are going to be placed in the fancier hotels on the premises. 
It's so funny. I know, like, I know someone just needs to make this decision. I was a camp counselor for five years. I was ahead of the 16-year-old age group uh, one year. And just putting people in different places, it's probably the most difficult thing you do as a camp counselor. Who's friends with who? Who's hooking up with who? Who's not friends with who? And making sure it's evenly distributed, but not privileging mm-hmm. one cabin over another cabin and all that stuff. You just kind of need to make the decision. And I and I know someone just had to be like, all right, I guess we'll do it by seating. But the fact that this needed to be reported on by Shams is just so funny. I think that's the core of all of this is that none of this needed to be reported on. But because nothing else is happening, the entire Twitter feed of Shams, who's been destroying Woj of late, he's got some insider that's telling him everything about the bubble plan. Shams Charania, if you go to his Twitter page, we'll link to it on the website at the episode page at horsehoops.com. But he's been tweeting all this stuff. We don't need it, but I'm not going to lie. It's fantastic. The top-seeded teams are staying at the Grand Destino, which is the newest hotel. Then the middle pack is staying at the Grand Floridian, which has been there for a while, but is long established as the fanciest hotel. This is the one that has, like, big swan statues outside of it, I think, and it looks like a pyramid. Yeah. And then the other teams, the worst of the teams, are staying at the Yacht Club, which you know you're doing pretty well when you're the lowest tier, but you're staying at the Yacht Club. Right. In my head, it's like the stuffy is like if you were renting like a cabin by the beach like or as an Airbnb and then it has like just sea imagery all over the place. Like, you know when the Ying Yang twins did MTV Cribs <laughs> and it was definitely like not their house, but there was like a picture of a boat in it? It's like that. Hey, MTV Cribs, welcome to my house. There's a picture of a boat. <laughs> Terrible. That is so bad. <laughs> if I could decide to design this house, I would install a moat. Hey, little mama, let me whisper in your ear. Check out this boat picture I definitely own. (laughs) Shams goes on to report that on the campus, the hotel amenities will include a players-only lounge, which has NBA 2K, TVs, and other gaming. There are pool and trails, barbers, manicurists, and pedicurists. I like that manicurists and pedicurists made the cut. I like that they're different. I know that they are, but I felt like the fact that they had to distinguish the two. It's like NBA players are like, oh man, is they're a manicurist, but oh, can they really do stuff for my feet? Oh, hell yeah. I'm definitely going to go with this bubble. They also will have a 24 VIP concierge. They will have daily entertainment in the form of movie screenings, DJ sets, video games, which has already been mentioned twice in this tweet, ping pong, pool, and lawn games. Oh, yeah. And then the players also can attend the other games. There was also reporting from Zach Lowe about NBA players love to play cards, and they're going to be doing all of these things where you can only have a certain amount of people playing a game of cards at a time. They have to be sitting six feet apart, and you have to throw out the deck of cards when you're done playing. Here's what doesn't make any sense, though. If all of these dudes are going to be rubbing their sweaty bodies against each other playing basketball, why the fuck do we care if they play cards in a safe way? They're already doing the most unsafe thing you can do, which is sweat on each other for two-plus hours multiple times in a week, and now you're like, guys, you have to be careful when you play Boo-Ray against each other. I also thought that the point of the bubble was that theoretically no one in there has COVID at all. So, like, why would they still need to be six feet apart? That only demonstrates the fact that they think that someone could get it in the bubble. Right. And you can also tell that that's the case because there are some penalties if players leave. That makes sense. That makes a lot more sense than staying inside of the bubble, but also being six feet apart. Right. So they have all of these protocols for if you leave, if you test positive and all of that kind of stuff. So they're ironing out all those details. They have a 113 page 
health and safety manual that they sent out about this. So, you know, everyone's definitely going to read that cover to cover. For sure. And I also like that Shams tweeted out that it's mandatory for every player when they're on the campus to wear the Disney magic bands, which is their room key, security checkpoints, and coronavirus testing check-ins, which <laughs> sure, of course it had to be the magic bands. But then there is also an anonymous tip line that players can call into and be a bunch of snitches if people violate the rules, <laughs> which just seems like that's not going to get used at all. That's going to be very funny. Like having to adjust Kate be like, mm, you weren't six feet apart when you were playing Boo-Ray. Yeah, I think that it's going to be interesting. I think it's interesting to think about just like the psychological aspect of what this is going to do to players because it's the first chunk of the season, at least, is 45 days minimum if you're a team that goes and that gets eliminated. So that's just 45 days where you don't get to see your family, your kids, your friends. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Definitely. I have some silly quick hits for you about this before we move on. Uh, mm -hmm. Robin Lopez wanted to trade with any of the Blazers players to trade rooms. So he does not want to be in one of the fancy ones. He really wants to be in the Yacht Club. I don't know why. And he's a big Disney insider. Him and his brother love going to Disney. So maybe that's an inside scoop where like the Yacht Club has some sort of thing we're not recognizing. Like it's got the best breakfast buffet or something. Entirely possible. In the manual, it says that when they play ping pong, you cannot play doubles unless <laughs> allowed by the NBA. <laughs> so... I don't get it. If they could play basketball against each other, why can't they play ping pong? But I like the idea that Adam Silver comes down and be like, all right, guys, you two can play doubles. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, like, oh, my God, this is going to be the peak of player tampering, right? Like, yes, what wild yes, shit yes. is going to happen in maybe not 2021, but 21-22? Like, what is going to happen in the NBA in two years? Well, this is what always happens when there are instances in which players get together, and are able to talk with each other about teaming right. up. That's when these big things happen. A big reason that the big three went down in Miami is because those three guys, Dwayne, LeBron, and Chris Bosh, all played together on the Olympic team and liked playing together and decided, okay, after this summer, let's all team up. So it would be very interesting to see, especially not only is there this, not only is the league getting screwed up, but like who knows what the future of the league is and there's going to be money lost for sure. So contracts are going to be less. So maybe people are just going to say, fuck it. I'll take less money so I can play with my friends and win a title. It's going to be really interesting. The CBA is going to be really fucked because of all of the China stuff, which we saw from Hong Kong in the beginning and now just everything happening with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited that no one from the Knicks is there to try to recruit anyone. This is going to be very good for my favorite team. We also have an opportunity for another banana boat photo mm -hmm. because everyone's going to mm -hmm. be there. So... Oh, baby. That's going to be very fun. Maybe they'll let Dwayne Wade in and then it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. They'll let him. He'll find a way. Come on. He's Dwayne Wade. You got to let him in. So the only other thing to talk about here besides the silliness of... Orlando and the bubble and the rules is a more serious issue that has been brought up by Kyrie Irving. And he has brought up all of the social issues going on and players wanting to speak up and be able to protest and be a part of that. He has raised the concern that maybe we shouldn't go back to playing basketball so that we can focus on social issues. And he's had calls with players and other people have voiced similar concerns. There's been a lot of reporting and it seems very rumor-ish. So it's kind of take everything with a grain of salt. But I think at its core, what you have is that Kyrie is stepping up and going against the grain, which I think is good, even if some of his reasoning might not be 100% sound. This is not like necessarily a Kyrie redemption story, but I think no. I understand him a little bit more, mm -hmm. especially what we've been seeing over the last few months about 
how everything is a business and but we're really seeing how like players get smashed down and Kyrie I guess is kind of an agitator like he believes in his own agency and by working with Kevin Durant in Brooklyn he's obviously trying to expand and this was the whole like pitch to coming to Brooklyn in the first place was like they would have agency and business decisions on and all this stuff Kyrie is someone who you agree with philosophically like who believes in all the things that you believe in except for the part where he believes the earth is flat I don't know if he actually believes in that I think that like he just kind of leans in and has like a really bad sense of humor but I digress but like he's just kind of an asshole he's like a flinty person he's not someone who you like totally get along with I wish there was a way for him to choose not to talk as much and maybe have someone put together his message a little bit more right and I think what would be more helpful and hopefully someone will talk to him about this is that I think now is the opportunity to use the platform for good. I think that everyone should be focusing on the social justice issues. And I think that the players should not just shut up and dribble. I think that they should speak very loudly while dribbling. I've been listening to a few podcasts, one of which the low post Zakalos said that he was talking to some players about continuing to play, but speaking up while they play and really using it as an opportunity. Now, Zakalos does work for ESPN, so maybe he has vested interest in the league resuming. But I do think it's a good point that you can use pre and post game interviews as an opportunity to talk about the situation at hand. You can do things during the national anthem or during the game or during warmups. I think that especially with not a lot of sports going on and all eyes being on the league right now, I think it's the opportunity rather than to say, let's not play because of social issues. I think it's let's use this platform where a lot of people are going to be watching and it will get the conversation going, especially among the people who say, oh, I just want to, you know, step away from everything and have no politics. I think it's a really good opportunity to use that voice for good. You know, this is something that we we're hearing a lot on social media, which I agree with so much is like these issues don't go away. They were happening mm -hmm. before and they're going to continue to happen. There will continue to be discrimination. There will continue to be racism. Like no matter what happens with the police reform or abolition that people are pushing for, right in front of us, uh, black people are still being unfairly targeted and hurt by the police. And like this is going to keep happening. Limiting the bubble to move forward is not like necessarily a great reason. Like I agree with it, but like it's not something to stop the NBA bubble plan about because this is still going to be an issue. Basketball is coming back no matter what. I feel like it's inevitable. So rather than try to fight against it coming back, I think Kyrie should dedicate his efforts towards using the situation for as much good as possible. I just want to touch on the Kyrie starting a new league thing, because it really feels like someone who is radical being painted as incredibly radical. Yeah, it's like they're trying to discredit him, and I think it's rude for them to take someone who is speaking up and raising valid concerns to be like, this guy's actually not all there in the brain, and here's these ridiculous ideas out there. I don't get why they have to slander the man. Okay, so according to Stephen Bondi and the New York Daily News... Oh, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, As a Knicks fan, fuck that guy. He lies all the time. Yeah, Kyrie said that the Nets should skip the NBA restart, and he proposed that players should start their own league. Then Rosillo, noted, does not know what he's talking about guy, tweeted that Kyrie telling other players they should start their own league is not new. He's talked to teammates about it this season. Based on what I was told, KD was not as enthusiastic. This is all, all hearsay. No one is reporting this like they actually know what they're talking about. So it sounds like Kyrie has been talking 
talking about this stuff in a Nets group chat. Then sources told uh, Taylor Rooks that Kyrie never said that the Nets should begin their own league in response to the bubble and that she was told that after the report came out, he left that group chat. So I don't know who's leaking what to what bullshit, but yeah, it's 100% discrediting him. An agitator is made to be more radical than he is in order to discredit the things that he's saying. It only makes Kyrie seem like he knows what he's talking about a little bit more. Tinfoil hat theory. It's Spencer Dinwiddie so that he can get more Bitcoin. Maybe. I don't know. Like, it, it's entirely possible. Any of these people could be leaking it. I also want to shout out another thing that Kyrie's been doing. He's really been supportive of Steven Jackson, who's been going out and really representing and really been a part of these protests. He, uh, Steven Jackson says that Kyrie has been FaceTiming him almost every day to check on him. And, like, that's just really sweet. We've said a lot of terrible things about Kyrie as a basketball player and kind of as a big brain, like, asshole. He deserves not to be slandered by shitty media. Yeah, it would be better if rather than everyone try to dunk on Kyrie for this, they instead take the approach that we're taking right now in this episode, which is we get what you're saying. Let's try to do something productive with this idea. And it sucks that the instinct is lol. Let's point fingers and laugh at this guy. Right, exactly. So that's what we have for this full court press get it like the news. And now we can move on to your three on three, which you have hyped up quite a bit. I'm very excited. One, two, three, three, two, one. Three on three. All right, Mike, there are no NBA games, but I think that there are some other ways to figure out who is going to win this NBA season and the NBA championship, even though we don't have the regular schedule going on. So I dove into my bag of tricks <laughs> to figure this out. So, Mike, my three on three is the three winners and the three losers of the 2019-2020 NBA season, according to Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Okay, interesting. I am not exactly sure how this is going to go, but I am intrigued, especially as someone that only plays Smash Bros. Ultimate as annoying guy when I play. Like, I'm either Wii Fit Trainer and I, all I do is salute the sun. <laughs> Extre extremely annoying. Or I'm Villager and all I do is plant and chop down trees. Or I'm Little Mac and I just run around punching people. Or I'm Sonic and I just speed back and forth on the map the whole time. I just play to irritate. All right, put a pin in that Sonic one. We're going to come <laughs> back to that. The first thing that I did, and you know, I now have my GameCube in the Multitude Studio, and my good friend Jeff sent me Super Smash Bros. Melee. So I thought, well, I'm just going to put a tournament together and figure out who's going to beat each other, and maybe I can run it a few times and see how it's going to shake out. Unfortunately, since this was made in 2001, the tools that I had to work with on the Super Smash Bros. Melee were not as good. And what I was going to do was I was going to have only computers compete against each other and assign each team a Super Smash Bros. character to determine how this was going to shake down. I ran into a few problems. So I wrote out all of these and I tried to assign characters to each one. So I had to do 32 because it, it is a derivative of four. So as you know, there are only 30 teams in the NBA. Looking at your abbreviations here and my NBA brain is melting because sometimes you put the team names, sometimes you put nicknames, sometimes you put the city, and sometimes you put their actual three-letter abbreviation, which is standard. Why have you done this to me? <laughs> because I wanted to put in some that were fun. I really wanted to put in Nugs, N-U-G-Z, and uh, Jazz just kind of fit, so I threw in a few of them. But port instead of port? Like, I, oh, this hurts. This hurts. I feel like I'm looking at one of those charts where it's a color, but it's written in a different color. Like it's yellow, but it's in green. And then it's red, but it's in blue. Oh my God, I can't do this. <laughs> it took a while for me to realize that I had four letters 
to deal with instead of just three. Because originally I was like, oh, I only have three. But I'm like, I have four. I have so much more power. But every team has a three-letter acronym that's officially given to them. <laughs> but I wanted to use all four letters. The other problem is, is that there were only 25 characters in Super Smash Bros. Melee, so I did double some. And then I had to add two more participants. So I used Shaq because I realized someone had already put Shaq in my in my game sometime in like probably 2010. And then someone else had put Adam. So I'm like, oh, Shaq and Adam Silver. I'm going to add them. Cool. Makes sense to me. So I ran this and then all of a sudden it like just kind of finished and then the game was like, all right, we're done. And then it just cleared it. So I lost all of my work after running the tournament more than once. So then I went to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which I have on my Switch. And this was a lot more user-friendly. There are like over 60 characters. So I was able to assign each team a different character and I could do whatever number of tournament entries I wanted. So I was able to do all 30. So Shaq and Adam Silver didn't participate. From there, I gave points to how far you went in every single tournament. If you won the whole thing, you got five. If you came in second, you got four. In the next round, you got three. The round before that, you got two. If you won only the first round, you got one. And if you didn't win anything, you got zero. And then I compiled all this and got some statistical ideas. So I now know who is the most likely to win the NBA championship based on math and statistics. So I assigned each character to based on probably their best player, but also their general feeling that I get from the team. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, I assigned K. Rule. Uh, just like Giannis, K. Rule is big and he's surprisingly fast and does a ton of damage in a way that you wouldn't expect. The Raptors, I gave them Yoshi. It wasn't like Ridley because they don't have Kawhi anymore. That would have made them big and scary. But Yoshi is also a dinosaur and I was able to make them red. The Celtics were Luigi because uh, he is green and he can do the screamer with the B up, which at some point the Celtics will turn it on. The Heat, I did Mario, get it, fireballs, get it. The Indiana Pacers, Captain Falcon because he drives a car. The 76ers, I made Snake from Solid Snake. He's a character who has actual weapons, but he can only do as much damage as everybody else, which is kind of like the 76ers who are like, oh, let's just get as many tall people as possible and we'll just figure it out. And yet they're only as good as all the other teams. The Brooklyn Nets, I did Dark Pit because of how much of villains KD and Kyrie seem. Orlando Magic uh, reminded me of a piranha plant, which seemed like something that would grow in Florida. So I gave them that. Uh, the Wizards, I did Zelda because they can do magic. The Charlotte Hornets, I made Pokemon Trainer because, again, you have Charizard. You should be a lot better than they are, just like they have Michael Jordan. They should be a lot better than they are, but they're not. Um, the Chicago Bills, I did Duck Hunt because Duck Hunt was really popular when the NES was out, just like the Bulls were good in the 90s. The New York Knicks, I made Sonic, so there you go. They're always trying to get it together, but when they try to make a main game, they usually fall on their face. The Detroit Pistons, I made Pikachu because they have Blake Griffin, and that's pretty much it, like Pikachu doing Thunder. Um, the Atlanta Hawks, I made Pichu because it's the same thing, but with Trey Young, and he's much younger, so he's Pichu. The Cleveland Cavaliers, I made Pac-Man because just like playing the Cleveland Cavaliers, isn't it weird to fight Pac-Man in Super Smash? Now we're going to the Western Conference. The Lakers, I made Fox. LeBron is the best player in the league. Fox is always known as the best, like, character in competitive Super Smash. So I thought that they were very similar. Los Angeles Lakers, I made Peach because they're both, just like Kawhi, very into defense. Denver Nuggets, I made the Inkling. Strange skill set, just like Nikola Jokic. Once you pick it up and figure out what you're doing, it's kind of deadly. The Utah Jazz, I made Dr. Mario because you can make whatever COVID joke 
you want here. The Houston Rockets, I mean, Lucina, who's one of the Fire Emblem characters. Not that I don't like Lucina, it's just that, why are there so many Fire Emblem characters? Which kind of feels like the way that people feel about the Houston Rockets. They're great, but why are they taking so many threes? They're ruining the game. Dallas Mavericks, I took Ken from Street Fighter. Just like Luka Doncic, he's made to fight. Ken is made to fight. Luka Doncic is made to score. And also, they both have blonde hair. The Memphis Grizzlies, I made Incineroar. They're furry, and the first time that I played him, I kept calling it my fursona, which feels a lot like the Memphis Grizzlies, and I was able to make them green, which I thought was cool. Portland Trailblazers, I made Little Mac, just like Dame, a big punch, but he really needs more backup, just like Little Mac needs a better up B. The New Orleans Pelicans, I made King DDD. They both look like birds, and just like Zion, they have this massive hammer that is just gonna smack the shit out of you. Sacramento Kings is Bowser Jr. They both have royalty, but they should be better than they are. The Spurs, I made Mr. Game & Watch, just about the fundamentals, man. The Phoenix Suns, I made Mennonite in Super Smash Bros. Brawl, Mennonite was incredibly overpowered, but now Mennonite is not actually that great. Just like the Phoenix Suns, they should be better than they are, but they just aren't. For the Minnesota Timberwolves, I did Wolf, because, you know, Wolf, Wolves, it just kind of fits. And the Golden State Warriors, I did Jigglypuff, because Jigglypuff has a amazing screaming move, just like Clay and Steph, but right now, it is a little difficult to do. I was also able to give Jigglypuff a very cool straw hat, which feels like something that Steph Curry would wear. Mike, would you like to hear the statistical uh, things that I figured out by running this model so many times? Sure. All right, we'll start with the people who lost. The people who came in totally last, number three, uh, it was the Knicks and the Suns. <laughs> Both of them only got one point. It was only one win out of all ten of the simulations. That's some bullshit. I'm good with Sonic. These people are dumb. Mike, I have it right here. It, the numbers don't lie. Unfortunately, the Knicks came in last, even in a totally objective mathematical model. They are not using Sonic properly. He's a very intricate player that you must use correctly, but I guess it holds true. Like the computer is like James Dolan, where they are poorly running a franchise that has so much potential. If you only used Sonic properly, it would be like if you only use the Knicks properly. So I think this holds true. Surprisingly, the Cavs got seven points, which is wild. Again, <laughs> if, if any of your friends ever pick Pac-Man when you're playing Ultimate, you should kick them out. It doesn't make any sense. Why would anyone fight as Pac-Man? I'm also infuriated that no one became a Wii Fit trainer. <laughs> I couldn't figure out who to assign Wii Fit Trainer. I'm just trying to think, like, fitness, who's obsessed with their body, and LeBron has the whole thing where he spends a million dollars a year on his body. Maybe maybe Wii Fit Trainer's just Doris Burke. Yeah, Wii Fit Trainer's just around reporting on what's happening. Uh, my number two conclusion that I made about losers, the underperforming bubble teams were both the 76ers and the Nets. They only got five points, which is in the bottom third of all teams, which is wild. Yeah, I could see the Sixers going in a real bad way when the bubble resumes. It really comes down to, and I really think that they're going to get exposed because, like, if you have someone like Ben Simmons who can't shoot, what are you supposed to do? Like, when it comes down to it. Not ideal to have someone that is not good at arguably the most important thing in the game. Right, exactly. Which is just like having a super soldier who is Snake, and he just feels very out of place out of this, like, cartoonish fighting game. With Dark Pit, I mean, listen... A lot of their players are injured, so it's not surprised. I'm glad the statistical model bore that out. Finally, the most underperforming team that I thought was going to win it all is the Lakers. They only got nine points. They lost to Oklahoma City, Denver, the Mavs, the Clippers, the Raptors, and Denver, and they lost to the Bulls in one of these. Oh, 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 mm, 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 uh. <laughs> 
It also makes sense because Star Fox hasn't made a good game since N64, and maybe the Lakers, uh, their glory is a little bit behind them. Just something to think about. Okay, okay. They do still have someone named LeBron on their team, so we'll just have to keep that in mind. <laughs> I gave them the highest ranked character, so I'm not really sure what happened there. I'm wondering, were all of these one-on-one -on -one fights that you did? The majority of them were one-on-one -on -one fights. In some of the earlier iterations, there was a four-person fight, but that was only in the first round for like two of the games. Yeah, I feel like sometimes when I play Smash, there are Definitely characters that are better in a group setting versus one-on-one. -on -one. I think Sonic falls there. I think Fox is there too, where when there's more people, it's fun as Fox because you can just kind of like shoot your gun and be really annoying and then run around really quickly and stuff. Whereas when it's a one-on-one -on -one showdown, you would have rather had Falco in the mix there. So I can, I can see how some of these characters aren't working just because I think in a one-on-one, -on -one, they're not the strongest. For sure. I want to tell you about the winners. Mm -hmm. uh, really strangely, when I ran on the GameCube and when I ran on my Switch, when I did one that had no sort of ranking changes, when it was all about, like, everyone was the same level, let's see what happened, both times, the winner was the Spurs. Wow. Fundamentals, man. <laughs> it's just the fundamentals. I actually really like that, especially with Game & Watch being the Spurs. The Spurs right now are doing this weird thing where they have gone against the grain of basketball, which is shoot threes, and they have some boys on their team that only like to shoot two-pointers. And I think Game & Watch is the same way. He zags where everybody else zigs in that he's not exciting or even three-dimensional. He's just a little 2D stick figure guy. But if you do that little side hammer thing, if the cards roll your way, you know, you hit a bunch of nines in a row and then boom. You have the fundamentals put into you by Greg Popovich and then you just win it all. When it's random, it's random. Bacon, 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 bacon. The number two winner of this entire tournament was Denver. They won the title twice. Huh. I don't know how it shook out like that, but each time they just had a path to victory. Uh, in some of the other iterations, they never got out of the first round. But then in iteration six and in iteration seven, they took it all. That could make sense for Denver. I feel like Denver in these playoffs is either going to be great or horrible and there's no in between. So I can see it. Especially with Jokic being super slimmed down. Have you seen photos of him? Yeah, man. Uh, quarantine. I mean, I've lost a lot of muscle mass over quarantine, so I get it because the only exercise I can do is sit-ups and running, so I've become even lankier, so I get it. But it's like he's only been on an exercise bike for the entire time of quarantine. Peloton, baby! Splatoon is kind of like a kid-friendly version of a shooting game, less than Fortnite, and definitely less than a player unknown's battlegrounds. You spray each other with paint. So the Inkling is ready to fight and has been training this entire time. And finally, the number one team that is definitely going to win the NBA championships because of my amazing statistical model is the Bucks. I mean, that also makes sense. <laughs> They had 25 points out of all of the statistical modeling, and they were by far the winner. They beat the other teams by five points. Came in second, though, surprisingly, Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm -hmm. Good for the Thunder. Good for them. I could see the Bucks making sense in the Smash world because they are King K. Rule, and I haven't played Ultimate a lot, but one of my buddies, Steven, is very, very good at being King K. Rule in Ultimate, and it's incredibly annoying. K. Rule is my favorite character. The fact that he is so heavy and so big and does so much damage, but also is able to move around the stage so quickly is truly amazing. He also can throw his crown like at long distance, which is something you don't anticipate. He also has a, a cannon that you can shoot at people. So he's both good close and far, which feels a lot like Giannis's bucks. Yeah. 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 So I put a lot of time and effort into the statistical mm -hmm. modeling, and uh, I'm definitely going to have the link in the episode description, which you guys can check out. So go check this out. Micah did math.
Yay, math, hooray, finally. That's all it took was two years, but here we are. You've done math and look how much fun you had. I like math applied to the real world. That's just my thing. The real world, Super Smash Brothers. Statistics is the real world, that counts. Just fuck off, calculus. No, actually, this is all, I'm gonna pose a quick rebuttal. No one was villager, I'm irate. I thought about that, but I'm like, who would be the Animal Crossing villager? Everyone is too intense for this. I think it would be Shaq because much like the tree just absolutely destroying people, it could be like when Shaq breaks a backboard. Oh, okay, that would have been good. So yeah, I'm gonna have my own tournament where it's just Shaq as villager versus Doris Burke as Wii Fit Trainer. And uh, I'll just run the model and see who wins. 16 Shaqs and 16 Doris Burks as Wii Fit Trainer. <laughs> That's gonna be very complicated, but yeah. I spent all my time doing the statistical model for really no reason other than to make jokes about it on this podcast. That's very good. That's very good. Well, Eric, I also have something that took me a lot of time to prepare and not in the same vein as you in that this has been something that you worked consecutive many hours on. But mine is something that has been slowly been building. It's been one of the oldest things in my running horse ideas note on my phone. And I just slowly add to things. And I finally have compiled enough information to present it for this that actually happened. Hey, did you know that in 1992, Charles Barkley was on the dream team and was fucking buck wild during the Olympics? <laughs> I, I have heard about it, but I want to hear about all the stories you've compiled. I have compiled so many quotes, so many stories, so many things from different written articles, videos, all of these things. I've got a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm just going to laundry list out all of the amazing things that Charles Barkley did when he was with the Dream Team in the Olympics in 1992. Hit me. There are just many quotes from Chuck that I think set the stage early on, so we'll start off with those. When he was talking about the situation of going over there, he says, quote, everybody in the world has an ego. The only difference between us is we have a reason to have an ego. Put that in Charles Barkley's tombstone. <laughs> Similarly, he was talking about when they got over there, all the other teams liking him. He said, quote, it was a surreal feeling like, dude, we're here to kick y'all behind and they want to take pictures with us. I love that. Charles Barkley has this very funny being on television thing where he really removes all of the curse words out of his vocabulary with like very infantile words. And mm -hmm. it only makes it feel more cutting when he burns you with it. Like kick your behind feels a lot worse than kick your ass. Yeah, because he went the extra step to say a different word. The power <laughs> of synonyms. <laughs> So in a warm-up game preliminarily to the Olympics, he told a camera while he was sitting on the bench during a game, said to a camera, quote, we're going to send a message around the world today because y'all can give it up. Use foreigners can just give it up. Oh, my God. You can't call them foreigners at the Olympics. <laughs> oh, oh, Chuck saying things that are not in good taste is going to be a very common thread in this little segment here. Chuck, but like, he's the foreigner in Spain. Y you know, he's saying foreigners to the game of basketball like America owns it. But hey, it's Chuck. Chuck's kind of Chuck. So another core to Charles Barkley being a part of these Olympics is that he wanted to enjoy being in Barcelona. He did not want to just sit in the hotel room about this. He said, quote, I'm going to be in the pool so much for the next two days. They'll think I'm on the swimming team in Barcelona. <laughs> That's a good quote. That's a good quote. 
So Barkley was very much a fan of going out on the town, and people absolutely loved that he would go out a lot. People would run up, ask for him for autographs, stuff like that. Jack McCallum has a great quote where he wrote this phonetically to go with the person's Spanish accent, but he wrote this as, quote, It is him. I know it is him. It is the Charles guy. <laughs> so I just like adding the Charles guy to his ever-growing list of nicknames. That's very good. But like any story that I bring to that actually happened, there's always one person that is trying to ruin the fun. And today's contestant, taking the spot of usually the Oklahoman newspaper, is American 200-meter gold medalist in the breaststroke Mike Barrowman. <laughs> I was like, man, I wonder what media personality is going to try to tear him down. It's like, no, he's an Olympic gold medalist swimmer. They didn't like that the Dream Team was getting all the hype. This is the first time that NBA players played, and it was really big for the global recognition of basketball. It was huge for the Olympics. It was something that had never been done before. So there was a lot of people with celebrity coming into the mix, and the other Olympians didn't like it. And some of the other Olympians didn't like it, such as Mike. Here's what Mike had to say about the situation. This is the Olympics, not the NBA championship. I love these guys. I want them to go out and kill everybody. But this is our chance to come through for our country. We only get that chance once every four years. They get it every day. <laughs> so just ultimate jealousy here from Mike of, oh man, I only get to be cool once every four years and then everyone forgets who I am. Whereas people know who Charles Barkley is all the time. I like the addition of, I love these guys in the middle. It's like, mm, no, you don't. It's like when J.K. Rowling, halfway through her 3,000-word essay about why trans people don't matter, she was like, I love trans people. A lot. I can tell from your conduct that you don't, J.K. <laughs> <laughs> so Charles went on to clarify that the way that they lived and the fact that there was so much surrounding the hype of the Dream Team there wasn't necessarily them trying to be celebrities. It was just that everybody really liked these dudes. And Charles has a great quote about it. He says, what people don't understand is we got death threats. In our hotel, you had to have a picture ID to get in there. And when we went to the pool on the roof of the hotel, there was like 10 guys standing around us with Uzis. So it was kind of funny. It was like girl in bikini, dude with an Uzi. Girl in a bikini, dude with an Uzi. People thought we didn't want to stay in the Olympic Village because we wanted to be big shots, but it's because we were getting death threats. They had told us that some terrorist groups wanted to take out the dream team. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I yeah. also love Charles's storyteller because girl in a bikini, dude with a newsy, girl in a bikini, <laughs> dude with a newsy really sells the image to me. <laughs> So they had police security gun wielding the entire time, following them everywhere they traveled because it was a legitimate security risk for them to be there in Barcelona. Charles, though, didn't want to be in the hotel for other reasons beyond safety, though. About this, he said, quote, I just can't sit in my room and do nothing. Sure, it's a pain in the butt to sign autographs all the time, but I'd rather walk around and be bothered than sit around. As far as I'm concerned, it's fun going and meeting people. <laughs> so he was usually very nice to people, but Jack McCallum has a quote that one time a really intense fan went up to him and Chuck said, quote, get back, please. You are definitely in my face. <laughs> I like the please and definitely. Again, just Charles choosing his words very kindly. There was also one time where a fan came up to him riding a motorcycle and Chuck had never ridden a motorcycle before, so he wanted to try it. But then he got on it, realized how scary it was, realized how much trouble he would get in for getting hurt on a motorcycle. So he immediately got off and gave it back to the person. So he didn't drive it at all. 
no, for maybe a couple feet, and then was like, actually, terrible idea. Amazing. <laughs> so what happened is Charles Barkley in the league at this time had this big bad boy personality, and everyone thought, oh, he's being so nice and fun, what's the deal? Well, once the Olympics started, here was the deal. Because Chuck, outside the court, nice dude. Chuck, on the court, huge asshole. Bad man. Very bad, bad man. Throwing his ass around. He saved his bad boy personality for the court, and boy, oh boy, did it come through. So the most infamous incident that happened was in the first official non-preliminary match that the United States played, which was against Angola. Now, Charles Barkley has one of the most iconic quotes ever about Angola. I don't know if you're familiar with this one, but I'll send it to you so that you can listen to it. This is put it on my gravestone level quotes. How much do you know about Angola, the guy that you would be playing there? And I don't know anything about Angola, but Angola's in trouble. <laughs> I don't know anything about Angola. The pause before he says Angola is the best, but Angola's in trouble. It's iconic. It is so funny. <laughs> oh, God. I just inject these into my veins. Give me more. Just, I just want more. The honesty of it is just so good. At this same press conference, this was before the first game started, they brought up, because a big reason that the Dream Team did this is because of the other times that the American team lost in the Olympics. And in 1972, the U.S. lost to the Soviets. We talked about this in a previous episode, of course, but the Soviets screwed the Americans out of a win by doing this shot clock stuff where they very clearly rigged the game. So someone asked Charles Barkley, how did you feel when America lost in 1972? And Chuck said, quote, well, I just failed my entrance. Ex well, I had just failed my entrance exam to kindergarten. So that was the only thing on my mind. <laughs> Charles Barkley was nine at the time, but the joke still lands. <laughs> It's still good. Still good as a story. Man's a storyteller. So when the game against Angola actually took place, America just started absolutely destroying them. They ended up winning this game by like 50 points. It wasn't even close. But even though this was a complete blowout, there was a point in the game in which Charles Barkley makes a fast break layup and on his way back running on defense, just elbows an Angolan player named Herlander Coimbra really hard in the chest and gets a technical foul for doing so. Classic Charles. Now, what was ridiculous about this is that the United States was winning by so many points and Herlander made the technical free throw, which was the only point scored during a 46 to one run by the United States team. Oh no. So they could have gotten 46 points consecutive without the other team scoring if Chuck didn't elbow this dude in the chest. That feels like a Harlem Globetrotters score. <laughs> like was the Washington Generals one of the teams represented in the Olympics? You know, who's to say? It feels like any team that is not America is basically that. So there were a lot of interviews about this particular incident. It became a really big deal, especially because America had won by so much. Why would Charles Barkley stoop to a level so low and do this? His teammates spoke out about him, like Carl Malone and Michael Jordan. But Chuck did not back down. He did not back down at all. He defended this multiple times. He said that the guy hit him earlier in the game, so he hit him back. Quote, somebody hits me, I hit him back. It's that simple. It's not a big deal to me. As far as I'm concerned, it's over with. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm thinking about Croatia, who they were playing 
in the next game. I do like the idea that Charles Barkley is just always ambiently thinking about Croatia. (laughs) (laughs) He then went on to say, people always say, turn the other cheek. If you turn the other cheek, I'm going to hit you in the other cheek too. (laughs) God. And then finally, and this one, not good. This one has not aged well. He got a lot of flack for it at the time. He said, quote, people told me to hit a fat guy next time, not a skinny one. That guy probably hadn't eaten in a few weeks. Now, Chuck said before that he didn't know anything about Angola. Angola, who years prior had a notoriously bad famine. So this was an incredibly poor taste for Chuck. Oh, God. It's just like stuck somewhere deep inside of his brain. (laughs) In fact, and it just comes out like that. Oh, my God. Mm, Not great. So America went on to continue to dominate and continue to play well. And there was a game upcoming where they were going to play Brazil. Now, Brazil in 1987 beat America in the Pan-American games. And this was a whole big deal because anytime America doesn't win, it becomes huge news. It's understood that we're supposed to win every basketball game that we play. So so there's a player on the Brazilian team named Oscar Schmidt, who was the star of this upset in 1987. A reporter asked Chuck if they want some vengeance on Oscar and the Brazilian team. And Chuck about it said, quote, I've been thinking about him all week. In my backswing, I think, Oscar, Oscar. (laughs) Which is so great. If you break down this insult, it is so good because he's clearly saying that he doesn't care. But by going on the joke of saying like, oh yeah, I was thinking about him all week. And then specifically to say that he was doing so while he was playing golf, not preparing. Oh, it's a next level insult. I love the trash talk here. If only Charles could work on his own backswing and become a better golfer. (laughs) How does someone, and Mike, I don't know anything about golf. How does someone who plays this much golf is this bad at golf? So the thing is, Charles Barkley, before he had the weird, notorious hitch in his swing, was a solid golfer. There were reports that I was reading about this, that while he was golfing during the Olympics, he shot 90-ish. And that's what I shoot in golf when I play. 90 is just at the level of you can go out and be like a business person type guy playing golf where you can hold your own and you're not distracting. But yeah, what happened was he got this weird hitch in his swing and golf is just such a, it's such a muscle memory mental thing. It's like shooting free throws. So it's the same way that you can look at someone like Shaquille O'Neal or Dwight Howard and say, how can someone that plays this so much be so bad at shooting free throws? It's purely about form and it's purely about muscle memory. And if you have a mental block, you just have a mental block. Now, just like shooting free throws, should Chuck be hitting the ball, like, underhand? I mean, maybe he could. Or maybe he needs his caddy to take out some of those noisemaker balloon things and just clunk, 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 clunk on the side to put him in the right frame of mind. Also works. Or he could just think about Oscar. He could think about Oscar. So there was an interview I read where Charles looked back on the Dream Team time very fondly. Had some really sweet quotes and really genuine moments where he just loved being with those guys, playing with his friends, playing with the best people in the league, competing with them in something that had true stakes. And he had a great quote where people said, people always remind me that I never won an NBA championship. Winning the gold medals that I did in 92, 96 was like winning championships to me. So so that was really nice. But he also had a comment about this Oscar quote. He said, I was just trying to have fun. First of all, clearly Oscar was a great player, already a great player. But the notion that any of us knew anything about the foreign players, we just did not. (laughs) That's pretty good. 
So the final quote that I will give is just a wonderful braggadocious quote about it. This is also from the retrospective article. He said, going in, we did not think we were going to win every game by 60, 70 points. You just don't know that because those teams had NBA players also, but they could only put at most like five NBA players out there. And when we went to the bench, that's when we always went crazy because we brought in four more all-stars while they brought in some kids and there was a real drop off in the level of talent. <laughs> I just love the disparity between we're bringing in all-stars off the bench and you're bringing in some kids. Just kids. <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to think of who who was on the dream team. Like, who would come off the bench on the dream team? I mean, like, John Stockton. David Robinson would come off the bench. Like, if there was no one bad was on the dream team. It's like, all right, Christian Leitner, best player in college basketball. Get in there and show these kids what for. A sad side note is while I was reading all these articles, some of them had comment sections and one person said, wow, he's so in shape and good at basketball. <laughs> like, I hate that people only know Charles Barkley as overweight dude that's on TNT and is funny and didn't win a ring. Charles Barkley was so fucking good at basketball and so funny. If I was old enough at the time, he would have been my favorite player by a mile. Yeah, I really want an old Charles Barkley Suns jersey. Like, mm -hmm. they wouldn't that look so good. Uh, not if you are, what's his face? Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, yeah, it's a rough look. A very I gotta take look. it back from Jonah Hill. He doesn't deserve it. You need to reclaim that particular Suns jersey. For sure. Take it back from white people who have let us down. <laughs> yeah, Jonah Hill has really let us down. I need to reclaim it from him. So those are all of the wonderful quotes and moments that I brought to the table for Charles Barkley's wonderful time spent in Barcelona. There's so many more things that I had to leave on the cutting room floor. So we have links to all of the articles that I use for reference on the episode page of horsehoops.com, including the fact that there was a reporter that had to write about Charles's stuff because Charles had a column that he was not allowed to write because of Olympic rules. So someone else had to write it for him, basically. And he would just leave the guy clues and notes at the bars about what bar he was going to next, making him go on a wild goose chase throughout Barcelona. <laughs> what? That seems so unnecessary. No cell phones, man. What are you going to do except leave cocktail napkins with notes to bartenders and say, hey, tell this guy to go to this bar. I left. <laughs> so that actually happened. I, it entirely actually happened. I can only imagine you writing this down. Like, I know that you wrote it on your computer, but I like to think you have a secret Charles Barkley journal that you've been writing things <laughs> down in whenever you get inspired. You wake up in the middle of the night and you're like... <gasps> <laughs> Remember when he said that shit about Angola? And then you write it down. <laughs> and just as a final note on this episode, uh, I wanted to share with all of you, this is my last episode as the co-host of Horse. This felt like uh, a time for me to move on. Uh, I mean, two years ago when we started this show, podcasting was not my full-time job. And in that time, we've created Horse and we've created all these other shows. And I am incredibly proud of Horse and all of the people who have fallen for basketball during this time. Uh, this was the first new original show at Multitude. And seeing how everything has grown since then is really amazing. So moving away from this, my 
full-time job is the head of creative at Multitude. It's allowing me to focus more on growing it, seeing new shows that are going to happen and bringing more listeners into the fold. Uh, But don't worry, Horse is still continuing in great hands. Mike is still going to be your host. And we're going to have a new co-host, Adam Mamawala, who is amazing uh, and is good friends with Mike. He's going to uh, join the team. Yeah, it is very sad to see you go, but I think Adam is going to to be great. And don't worry, we grew up together and he loves to make fun of me. So you're going to still get that same keeping me in check charm from the other host of Horse. Oh, thank God. But don't worry, Mike, whenever you try to say that the Knicks are going to do well or you doubt the Celtics veracity, uh, I'll be there. (laughs) Yes, please, please do. No, it'll be a different vibe because Adam's a Bulls fan. So now I'll have someone to share in my misery of, oh, I had a team that used to be very good. So it'll be uh, a little bit of a dynamic there and that both hosts have horrible teams that they support. (laughs) But no, man, it's been great these two years. I'm going to miss you so much. I have appreciated all that you've done for making the show what it is. And you will still be a presence in the show going forward. And I have truly enjoyed the time with you so far. And I'm excited to do this new chapter and I'm excited for you to focus on the new chapter of your life in terms of making new things and doing fun stuff. Absolutely. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And like, you know, nothing else really changes. Like once the office comes back, like we'll still see each other and all of that and join the party is still happening and multitude stuff is still happening. But uh, everything else is going to stay the same. Mm-hmm. Same segments, same vibes, same kind of stuff. We're just getting Adam in the mix and he is very excited to join the squad. And I think it's going to be a fun new era. Just like when the Knicks draft another player and you know it's going to change. But really, don't put that evil on Adam. <laughs> but really. Really, it stays pretty much the same. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Horus. Horus is hosted by Eric Silver and Mike Schubert. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. The art is by Allison Wakeman. The music is by Bettina Campamanes. And the website is by Kelly Schubert. Special thanks to our producer-level patrons, Brianne Wingate, Adam Hartwick, Cody Powell, Salvatore Tesla, Trust the Process, Samantha Rose, Polly Burridge. I work with Eric's dad, Shooby Dooby Doo, I am Adam Silver, Godzilla God Busy, Walter Vandermaiden, Madeline Heising, Soaps Lamb Chops, Steph Curry for three, Kendra Hadley, He Sells Seashells, Eileen Gazesh, Catherine Lee, Og Milk, Laron Gines, Leah Loveless, and Matt Barger. You can find us on the internet at Horse Hoops on Instagram and Facebook and Horse underscore Hoops on Twitter because, as we say every single episode, it's because Horse Hoops left the bubble and they went to Universal Studios. That's a really good reason to have them banned, honestly. It's one of the only ones I agree with. (laughs) Our website is horsehoops.com, which is all of our research, literally all of the research, and the visual stuff you didn't see because this is a podcast. And if you want some sweet bonus content, such as Eric and I explaining how the bubble works and everything, or if you want to get the jerseys that just came in and look beautiful and I'm currently wearing as we record, they're very comfortable, they're very pretty, they're fantastic, they're reversible, ooh, uh, you can get all of these fun bonus content stuff over at patreon.com slash horsehoops. And shout out to Multitude, which is our podcast collective and studio, where we make podcasts about what we love for the people who love them too. We have so much going on in Multitude. We have like seven shows now. Hell yeah, baby. It's so many shows. Next Stop just finished, which is the sitcom that I wrote and created. And we have an entire PDF of all the ways that we try to make it. It's a teaching you how to make a fiction podcast. It is free on our resources page. You should go listen to Meddling Adults, which is the new show from Mike, which is a competition about children's mystery books and media but the money goes to charity which is ridiculous and you should listen to all the other shows on the collective because we like them and they're very good 
So as we round out every episode, we are going to put our hands in the middle and say something at the count of three. And Eric, I think it is only fair to send you off in the best way to say the resounding phrase that you continued to publicize while I was on my honeymoon and didn't have access to the social media. This is my final parting gift to you is that on the count of three, we can say the Knicks are bad. The Celtics are good. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Good. Wonderful. So one, two, three. The The Knicks Knicks are bad. bad. The Celtics Celtics are are good. good. Baby!